2003. I'm 13, I'm living in Canberra and I'm going to school at a very large, stuffy Catholic all-girls that was named after, I think, seven different orders of nuns. I somehow fall into an amazing group of friends. After a childhood of not really uh, feeling like I fit in, I found my people and uh, through finding them, found myself. I learnt a lot about who I was and who I wanted to be. I learnt that I was political. I learnt that I was passionate, that I liked to make people laugh. And I also learnt that I was an artist and I wanted to continue to be so for the rest of my life. I also learnt about loss because when I was 14, we moved away. I left all my friends and we moved back to my childhood home in Darwin. I went to a school of 1,200 in Canberra and here a campus of 300 and I didn't really fit in. Um, I got teased a lot for what I wore and the music I listened to by all of the students and some of the meaner PE teachers. Um, <laughs> uh, some things were the same. Principal was still a nun, uh, so that hadn't changed. Um, and I did find a small group of misfits that I could call my friends, but like, I had this feeling of being deeply alone. Before I left Canberra, my friends there had made me some handmade books, some zines. Uh, one was about all the things they thought were cool about me, which was so nice. And the other was a list of things to do if you feel bored or alone in Darwin. How did they know? Um, and one of those things was, why don't you write a funny fan fiction? Now, I knew what fan fiction was. A friend of mine in Canberra was really obsessed with trying to decode the secret message on the front of the Artemis Fowl books. She was very into this and wrote numerous stories about it, which she would tell us at lunch when we weren't listening. So I did know what fan fiction was, which is to take characters that exist in a universe and then tell new stories with them or make your own characters and insert them into a universe. But I'd never really read it myself. I was really into Harry Potter at the time, as everybody was, and so I started reading Harry Potter fan fiction to pass the time. And I was loving it. I was really enjoying, like, Harry and Ron and Hermione going on new adventures that weren't in the books and figuring out, oh, speculating how the Dumbledore's army might defeat uh, the Dark Lord because hadn't, they hadn't all been released yet. And one day I was sitting in the school library at lunchtime reading by myself because I had no friends and I was reading um, a story about Harry and he was in potions class and he was being antagonized by his arch nemesis Draco Malfoy uh, and they got into a fight and it blew up and Draco pushed Harry against the wall and he kissed him. I packed up my things and quickly went to the back of the library where no one could see me and I kept reading. And I think when you're, when you're queer, people often ask, like, oh, was there a moment when you found out you were gay or trans? And some people have that moment and some people don't. This was probably one of mine. And so I went online that night and I found out that there is a lot of gay fan fiction about Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy. <laughs> it's called Slash Fiction and it had started decades before with Kirk and Spock and it was printed in fanzines that people made for each other and sent... And so I was so excited. Um, I realised that my ship, the relationship you prefer, Harry and Draco, I loved them because I could see that happening. I could read the canonical text that JK had written 
and I could see the evidence for it in what she'd given us. I thought that these characters were queer and I could see the queer narrative going through underneath the surface. I remember reading the new book when it came out and being really annoyed because they all started being heterosexual. And I'm like, but no, you're wrong. Clearly, author of the work, you've written gay characters. What are you doing? Um, so I kept reading fan fiction and I realised that maybe I could share it with uh, some people at school because they all really liked Harry Potter too. And so I was like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have something to talk about. Maybe they'll also have a gay awakening and I'll be surrounded by excellent queers. It'll be great. Um, so I printed off my favourite stories and I disseminated them to some of the girls in the class. And they really liked them. So I took on my first job in the arts as a curator and I picked out my favourites and I figured out which ones would work and like what timelines they should get them in and I, the ones that got really good traction, I started binding the sides and keeping them in my backpack as a little moving library. I would come back on Monday after a weekend hard at work uh, picking out my next stories and illegally print them when the teachers weren't paying attention in between my homework and disseminate what started as fleeting kisses in broom closets and slowly turned into hardcore smut. And I realised I had accidentally created a hardcore gay pornography ring in my Catholic high school. <laughs> and it was great. Uh, <laughs> uh, it felt like a secret, not only because of the misuse of school equipment, but because I got to share this secret with these people and I thought that they were sharing with me as well. And one day we were having chats over lunch and we were discussing our recent novella that we had been reading, uh, which featured a bisexual character. And I remember one of the girls turning to the group and she just said, oh, but bisexuals aren't really real. They're just gay and lying. And I said, you're wrong. I'm real. And I'm not lying. And then she said to me, and everyone kind of took in a breath, and she said, oh, well, I don't really care. And if they were real, I wouldn't like those stories anyway. They're okay, though, because they're just fictional faggots. And they all agreed. And I realised that my queer Harry Potter community was actually just me giving porn to a bunch of really nasty straight girls who weren't really my friends. <laughs> and so I stopped sharing fan fiction and I stopped talking to them and I stopped sharing myself as much at school. I, I wasn't hiding who I was, but I realised that maybe being happy about it at lunchtime wasn't the safest move. Maybe that's more for secret library stacks at lunchtime by myself. And so I didn't find my people with porn, uh, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Luckily, my English teacher pointed me in a different direction. Uh, she said, hey, there's this youth newspaper called Grind. Why don't you go check it out? And I did. And I came to a library and it was full of young people eating chips, talking about art, talking about music and politics. And I was like, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> thank goodness. And I kept going for the rest of my high school time. And then I was the editor. And then I got a job there as a trainee. And then I started running events. And then I got into the art scene. And they've been my community ever since. And I'm starting to wind up my time running the Fringe, which I think is kind of exactly what I was doing in high school with my peers. We all just wanted a space for ourselves to be ourselves and to invite people to come and celebrate with us. Hopefully it was a little bit more successful than my first time attempt, but it's all just about creating space and celebrating.
Um, and now I'm the creative resident here at the library, looking through things with that queer lens that was developed in another library just down the road. And my first day here in residence, I was looking through items that were gonna be part of the queer archive here. And I found a story about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a international satirical political movement of gay nun drag. And there was a photo of the sisters, local sisters, uh, in 1992 at the May Day Parade on Mitchell Street when I was a baby here in Darwin. And I remember thinking about being that teenager and feeling so alone like I didn't have a community here and being very wrong. And I'm making zines as part of my residency too. And it's so funny the way things go through. And I've been thinking about libraries and about how they're so exciting and important in maintaining and keeping these kinds of stories safe so that I can find them and that new people can find them and people can build upon them and that people can never say that they didn't happen because they're kept here and they did.